podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Live Bird. It's been a few weeks since we got together and uh, there's been an awful lot that's been going on in our football world uh, to catch up on. So I welcome along uh, my regular contributors this fine evening, uh, Amy Kate and Randy. Hello ladies, how are you doing? Good, hello. Hello. Hello Randy, I know you're there. Oh hello, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm in, in dark and frosty Oslo and when I got my sound on I'm even hurt I guess. <laughs> well, it, it's maybe dark and, and uh, frosty, or it's just dark here in London. And, and Amy Kate is in the fort having uh, sunshine in sunny California. So there we are. We're <laughs> presenting correct. So it's getting a little cooler here. It's, it? it's 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 getting cooler. Autumn is is has arrived. Oh, what well, does that mean? Wear a light jacket at night. It's only oh, like dear. two degrees now instead of twenty-seven. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my heart bleeds. Uh, <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on. Not to spend all this pod talking about weather envy. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with our most recent game. Uh, so we managed to get ourselves past Sheffield United two-one. A hard-fought victory, I would say. Uh, Amy Kate, did you manage to watch it? I would, I would have thought that the 8 p.m. kickoff in the UK worked quite well for you this time. So we had a little bit of technical difficulty. Um, I did get to watch it, but I missed um, bits and pieces because there's uh, it's only on streaming right now, and you have to pay for it. Um, not as bad as what's going on in the UK, um, but they put on a new streaming called Peacock because NBC's our channel, and we were trying to get it streaming and in our little group, and we couldn't get it to work through the TV, and so we we pretty much managed to try and listen to the first 20, 30 minutes, and then finally got it going, so um, yeah, I didn't get the best of what I normally get to see. You know, um, but LFC TV does a great job commentating, so we kind of got the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, to be fair to them, I think they do do a, a pretty decent job. Um, a lot of the times, the the Liverpool games in the UK will be on the radio, will be on Five Live. So more often than not, if I'm not looking at pictures, I'm I'm listening to that. But if if it's not a radio commentary game, then I I do quite like. Um, LFC TV. So, with all that being said, and your your various um, issues in terms of being able to get you know pictures and sound at the same time, 
Um, what were your what were your sort of overall thoughts at the end of the game? Um, I mean, we definitely have um, a lot of good positive things. Um, I I glad that we won. I, I think we deserved when we had most of possession. Um, I think we're struggling to score a little bit. Um, Bobby finally scored at home. You know, um, it was great job on his part. Um, I was bummed that Mo's goal didn't count, but um, Giada was fantastic. Uh, Joe Gomez, to me, finally, um, he got me out of the match, and he finally, to me, stepped up because I felt like he was constantly making mistakes. It was great to have Allison back. So I think overall there's a lot of, with with all the injuries and everything that's happening, um, I, I think we can improve, but it was definitely um, a hard-fought win. And, hey, we got three points is three points. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, at this point in the season, although we, we think it's early, that the games are coming literally every three days. So yeah. um, I think I think getting a result is, is the main thing. But, yeah. you know, Randy, there were, there were a couple of um, points of controversy, you might say, in that game. <laughs> Um, so let's, let's start with the, uh, let's start with the penalty that, uh, we gave away. Um, I missed that. Was it, <laughs> was it, was it a penalty or was it not a foul? I think it was very interesting because I actually got to see the match. Uh, and we can talk about the, uh, pay-per-view, uh, maybe later on, but, uh, that is horrendous in itself. But I got to see the match and we saw that incident, the situation again and again and again. And I think if that was further up the field, it might not even been a fault. So it might not have been a problem. You know, you might not stop the game for it. But then when VAR comes in, all they concentrate on is whether it's inside or not. So they completely forget to look at, is this actually a fault? So... To me, it was okay. I mean, these things happen. It's just funny that it's happening to us again and again. But uh, it could go either way. So it was fine. I mean, it was a, it was a pen. And the Norwegian took it lovely, I must say. Um, and so from there, I think, because you could see the match before and after the pen in the first half, we were like mm. upside down. And I think that ruined the game for us for like half an hour. And uh, so we had to take the game back. But what happens then when they get the pen, when they're on top, they put 10 men behind the ball. So our game plan is a bit out the window because we knew they were going to come at us. So I think it changed a lot. It definitely changed a lot until the second half. And I think, as Klopp said after the match, he completely agreed with me for once. He said that we would defence and attack and we were no one in between. And no one in between the lines in attack and no one to pick up the second ball. So, of course, we haven't played uh, 4-2-3-1 in ages, have we? So we needed some time to get that going. And you could see it. Yeah, I, so it's interesting, I think, for, for me as well, that there was a definite shift in momentum from the point that uh, they were awarded that penalty because I certainly thought we were, we were the better side up until that point. Um, yeah. 
I know there's been quite a lot of, sort of discussion on uh, social media and in different groups about our, our inability to, to properly win the first header or, and, and then, you know, struggling to get to the second ball and, and uh, a lot of chances, you know, being, being created through that. And, and Sheffield United play, play in a certain way and you could see, you know, the flick-ons coming through and, and where you know, Van Dyke would normally be, you know, he isn't there. And Gomez, Gomez's strength is not necessarily heading the ball. That's not his, that's not his primary strength. (sighs) Having said that, um, you know, it was somewhat of a workmanlike midfield that, that we had out there. And that was, by default almost because in normal circumstances you'd have Fabinho um you know sitting there at the base of the midfield clearly he was back as a center back there was no Thiago uh, there was no Cater so so the you know the the energy and the look of the midfield by default is going to be slightly different so i don't think that helped um but i suppose the thing that I was really, um, and, and Amy Kate, you mentioned it. I was delighted to see Bobby get a goal at Anfield. Um, yeah. You know, he had to, yeah. he had to wait, he had to wait till literally almost the last game of last season, <laughs> right, um, to, to score at Anfield. So, so that's another little monkey off his back. And of course, we saw his mad Bobby kung fu yeah. celebration. Yeah, <laughs> his goal, oh, and I dear. do worry. One of these days, he's going to kick somebody in the head. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I never thought about that. <laughs> um, but 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 you love to see it. You do love yeah. to see it. Um, I did think that, uh, particularly in the in the second half, I thought uh, I thought Jota really really came in to the game, and he looks like he's been with our squad quite a long time, rather than a. A pretty recent addition. I I think he he looks like he sort of settled in um, really well, and and his style suits us. And I'm sure I remember Klopp saying uh, that he'd been on the radar for two or three years, but it was you know that they hadn't been in the right place to to sign him. So he's obviously um, you know fancied Jota as a player for for a period of time. Um, I think that. It was a little bit worrying some of the chances that we did give up um, in terms of how open we were at yeah. certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, and better teams will be able to exploit that. So um, I guess it's <laughs> it's about how do, how do we find those solutions? And um, and we will come on to that. We'll come on to that a little bit later. But as you say, you know, a win is a win is a win. So, you know, three right. points. Um, <laughs> you know, additional bonuses a... for us. Oh, sorry. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention, I, I, I guess I got all excited about all the good points. Um, I forgot to mention that um, Favino has done a great job stepping in for Virgil. I thought, you know, no one can replace Virgil, don't get me wrong, but Favino has been phenomenal and and stepped up to the plate and has done a very good job um 
you know, we did, I was worried we were going to get caught out and the defense was going to fall apart or, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't know what to expect, but I just, you know, before Virgil got there, we were not stable. And, um, I think that, um, we're considering we're doing a good job and, you know, um, I think as we gel together more, um, with, cause we're going to have to learn this whole season without him, um, how to make it work. And I think that's one of the things the club's really good at is getting the best out of, or his team, not just him, but mm. get, getting the best out of the players. So um, I'm hopeful that it's not going to be this whole, you know, horrible situation. Yeah. Um, you know, well, let's let's stick with Fabinho then, because um, the the game before we came into Sheffield United was our opening Champions League fixture at the. Mm. Um, Amsterdam Arena playing Ajax. So, Randy, did you manage to to see that game? Uh, Fabinho was given man of the match, and yeah. and it was a it was a clean sheet against. Uh, you know, you would argue a kind of uh, maybe not as strong as they were the previous season when they almost got to the final, but but still a football playing side. Um, so what did you what did you make of of our um, our performance against Ajax? Uh, first of all, I completely agree with uh, Klopp again, calling it a dirty win, and I think it was <laughs> because I I mean everyone knows that uh, Ajax is a football playing team and we would suit each other, I think. So I was a bit disappointed that it actually didn't look like the IX two years ago. Uh, they were not the same. And I think uh, since we were not the same as Liverpool last season either, it kind of suited us. But it definitely was a dirty win. I was so anxious during that match. I was so worn out at half-time. It was like a real battle for all of us, I think. Uh, and uh, completely agree. Uh, Fabinho was man of the match and such a relief to see that we can make it. We can make it without Virgin, Virgil and it actually looked like it all the way. But I really enjoyed something else in that match, except from it was a dirty, good dirty win. Um, this is the first time I've ever seen Klopp changing three players. And of course, we have five changes now in Europe. And it was so funny because first he called one out and then another one and we thought, whoa, hey, hang on a minute. And then all three went off. And when you look at who is coming on, I was not anxious at all. Because why not? All these three players coming on was really giving it. I thought they were actually better than the, the top three in the second half altogether. So, and then you could see uh, Jota's uh, contribution that was Really, really impressive. And uh, I really enjoy our bench these days, I must say. We have much broader bench these days, and that was a good one. So I enjoyed yeah, that a lot. It's, it's interesting, I think, because we've, we've ended up to an extent with almost a stealth bench. Yeah. Because, you know, he's, we, we've, we've signed sort of players here or there, and we've, you know, we've, we've sort of worried about it for years that, you know, our first 11 was great, but we didn't have enough depth on the bench. Um, so, Amy Kate, one, one of the things that Klopp did talk about is he made the, the, um, the distinction between the fact that you still have five subs 
in Europe versus the, the Premier League have gone back to only three um, in that in that competition, and that he you know he was going to really try and make use of the five subs. I think he sort of said you know he almost feels like he doesn't have a choice because of the number of games. So, did you feel that? He made good use of the subs. Were there were there other changes that you would have made? Now I'm, I'm assuming you managed to catch up with the game at some point because obviously you probably would have been at work at the point it was actually on. Yeah, I did not get to watch that again and listen to it um, on LFC TV. It's been my best friend lately, um, but I was not able to. I was able to watch highlights, unfortunately, and normally I can get the game, but I was not able to watch the full game. Um, I only got to see the highlights, um, unfortunately. So, but I, I, I have a lot of faith in what Klopp's doing and whatever he's doing. It's not like previous managers that you're like, what is happening? Um, and I think with all the games that we have, um, utilizing that five player is smart and, and you got to do it. Um, and I think he does it wisely and rests some of the players because this is a long season and, you know, we're only, we just what, finished game five in the Premier League. We still have all, all the Champions League. That was the first Champions League match. So we have the, the um, group stage that we have to play out of. And then, you know, there's all the other competitions that can kick in during this. So um, with everybody being on injury already so early in the season, I think it's good to, to rest the legs of, of, uh, of the players. And, and the bench, like you said, is such, it, we have such depth now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing um, Milamino, you know, he's a newer, younger kid. But when he gets in there, I mean, he he, he fits the part. I, 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 I'm not worried that, you know, when we put him in, mm. is he going to, you know, is he going to do anything? You know, is he going to make a, a positive impact? And he has so far. Um, all the players that we have right now, um, and the only one that I'm thinking um just proved me wrong yesterday is Joe Gomez, you know, hmm. um, when, when I knew that Joe was going to have to step up and start playing, you know, I was like, Oh, he makes me nervous, but yesterday he was so great. So, um, you know, maybe it just needed some time. I mean, he's, he's good enough to play for England. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Klopp, yeah, if Klopp's putting somebody so, in, so is Harry Maguire you know. apparently. So well, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take that as a, as a benchmark, to be fair. No, that's true. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, Moving on. I, I, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I've got a lot of time for Joe Gomez, and I think I think he is a very good centre-back, um, and he's good at a number of things. Like I said, my, my, my worry is a, is a bit around, around the, the, uh, the heading of the ball, and, you know, we, we had years of almost shutting our eyes when we got set pieces. <laughs> yes. Because we, we were, we knew, we just knew we were going to concede. And over the last, um, five years since Klopp has been here, that has slowly but surely gone away. I mean, it was probably started before Klopp, to be fair, but even so, you know, you, you would be able to sit at the game or watch the game and not twitch. And not right. worry about about us defending set pieces and corners and and all of the rest of it. And you just hope that the the spirit of Verge is being channeled by them because 
I know, you know, there's opposition fans that have sort of been taking the piss and going on about, oh, you know, that it's almost like somebody died and, uh, and should we <laughs> wait for Virgil and all of this sort of stuff. But, you know, he's he's a, gener- a once-in-a-generation type of centre-back and, and any team who had him in would have a massive gap to fill. Having said that, you know, Klopp is a manager who is used to coming up with ways to solve problems. And that's what I'm, you know, that's what I think we're all depending on him to do. But also the players collectively have got to step up and they've all got to take more responsibility to fill that gap. And I suppose the only other worry is that uh, our, our now two primary centre backs don't have the best injury records. So between Gomez and Matic, um, you know, the, uh, they have, you know, they have had a tendency to, to get injuries that then take them out for a number of weeks. So that would be my, that would be my other worry. But, but coming back to the Ajax game, um, and Fabina being man of the match, I did, I thought he was magnificent. Um, you know, cleared one off the line, was making, you know, perfectly timed tackles. And I, I'm still not convinced the one against Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United was a penalty, but we've moved on. So, uh, but (laughs) and, you know, bringing the ball out of defense and looking to, to spring with those passes somewhat a la verge, but, you know, clearly, you know, he's a slightly different type of player. So, if he can stay healthy um, and we can continue to get him and Gomez and Matic rotating in the right way and getting used to playing with each other in a back two or a back three uh, or a back four, however you know he wants to set it up, then I think what we will find is, as as we've noticed over the last eighteen months, we're we're not necessarily the gung ho merchants anymore. I do think this season we will see less expansive football generally um, and more just trying to grind stuff out to try and conserve energy just because of the sheer number of games and the, and the, and the sort of truncated period that they're all crammed into my, my view hmm. uh, what it's worth um, just just briefly on, on that we've obviously got um, Games coming thick and fast. So, a very quick turnaround after uh, the Ajax game. Um, we're back in the Champions League again. Uh, I think it's Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, the Danish side that I struggle to pronounce. So, shall I help you? <laughs> yes, please. Mitjulam. 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 Okay. It's so funny to listen to all the British people trying to say Midgelin, Midgelin. It's so many ways of not to say it right, but it doesn't matter. It's a Danish team. Yes. I mean, we should be fine. We should take it as a really try things out game, I think. Not to put them down because they're good in the Danish league, but. I think they oh, should be a good they're one. They're champions, aren't they? Yeah. The reigning champions. 
Champions. I, I don't know if they went through. I'm assuming they went through qualifying. I don't know if they yeah. get into the Champions League all league. So, so they've already, you know, got a bit battle hardened. Yeah. But one of the interesting things, um, and I think I sort of registered it back in the back of my mind sometimes. But the guy that owns them is the guy that owns Brentford, and he's the guy who is the professional gambler who uh, was one of the really early people to bring in data analytics. Oh, um, oh I didn't you know, know that. Yes. Um, ah. and same at Brentford. Um, they're doing that, you know, what we're doing, I think they were earlier adopters of because we uh, took to- Thomas Gronemark, I'll probably put that name as well, our, our throwing coach, yeah. We got him from that club. Oh, yeah, that's true, right? I forgot. So, so there's a there's a couple of things. So I know Atalanta beat them four um, yeah. nil, and I get that, and and I agree. On paper, I I would expect us to beat them, but they have they score. I was reading an article, uh, so that said, they score almost fifty percent of their goals from set pieces, mm. and they and they really work on them. Um, and you know they've got long throws and various other things. So I suppose Amy, Kate, let me start with you. Um, what you know, what is anything should we be wary of with this team and, and maybe where where do you think we will be able to uh, sort of deal with their threat? Well, I think, um, you know, we've got to, knowing that they had, we have their throwing coach, um, they're going to know, um, we're, we're going to know what they do because we're doing the same thing. Um, so I think we can kind of, you know, not, you know, remember that, that we need to be a little deeper out um, because they can throw a lot farther. Um, we hopefully have, um, you know, analyzed a few of their games. I'm, I'm assuming they, they've done that. Um, but they're good at scoring and so are we, you know. Um, we just need to make sure that our defense is um, able to counter that. And, and um, like we talked about uh, just a few minutes ago about you know, closing our eyes and thinking, oh God, the center, you know, set piece is happening. Um, we have less to worry about now because I think we're much better at it. So I'm not as, ner- I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm nervous because we have a lot of injured players, but it not, I'm not nervous like we were, you know, previous years when we're, we're going, you know, oh God, we're, we're going to lose, you know, we, we, there's a set piece, you know, so. I have a lot more faith in, in us um, and we just need to get through. And if it has to be a, a dirty win, as, as Klopp put it, I don't care. We just need to get through and, and um, you know, hopefully the, the players that are out minus Verge, because he probably won't be, be back to maybe if we're lucky at the very, very end of the season, if we can get a little cameo out of them. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm just going to be optimistic. I'm always optimistic. So, <laughs> Uh, so there you go. You're, you're envisaging maybe uh, Verge doing uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain in Istanbul on crutches then. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. maybe not on crutches. Maybe, maybe walking under his own steam. But 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I've sort of, I, I've assumed he won't be back this season because if he does come back any earlier, then that's just a bonus for me now. Mm. Yeah, agreed. So we need to so move on with, with that. We, because we if he, you know, I mean, if he comes back and he, he's, you know, comes back in six months instead of seven months, um, or, or if he comes back at the end of the season, that, like you said, it's a bonus. But in, in my mind, you know, you don't want to bring somebody back so they can re-injure themselves if they're not quite ready. Um, Klopp would never do that anyway, the medical staff. But um, we we just need to kind of consider, okay, he's he's done for the season. We need to, um, you know, focus on how we're going to function um, with ha- with him out of the team right now. And, and if we're somehow lucky to have him back towards the end and, 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 you know, ready to go and play and be, be the verge he is, then great. But I'm not going to hold my breath. No. And, and on that point, Randy, um, you know, we, we, we need to get over it and we need to move on. Um, we, we didn't get a chance to talk until now around the, the fallout, if you like, from the derby. So uh, this is our chance to put all of that to bed once and for all now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what particular points or things would you like to get off your chest around the derby? And then we can put it in our box and stick it under the metaphorical bit. Well, I'm quite done with that match, to be fair, uh, because we've been talking about it for so long and it's been all this about the injury and but for me it's again it's the VAR that doesn't really work so why the F is it there and then it's the fact that that action of uh, hurting somebody in the way Pickford did was not at all uh, looked at uh, and uh, I just have to move on because I get so angry <laughs> thinking and talking mm-hmm. about it but I think from we learned something in that match as well that I hope we can bring further on because we were not um, we were not ourselves. I think it's all in that match. I don't know why and what happened and maybe we had more respect for the Everton's because they are where they are in the table and they are a very good team this season. Uh, so and and Ancelotti knows us a lot played against the, you know, when he had Napoli and it's always been very difficult to play and I knew this game was going to be the same but but when it got dirty in the way it did uh, I just want to forget about it <laughs> so put it to bed, say it is what it is let's move on and, and let's try to play our football because I don't think we did in that match anyway and after the after these next couple of minutes, we will we won't we won't mention it again. Um, <laughs> Amy, 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 Kate. So um, I, I think we probably all all share sort of Randy's anger about the oh, yes. recklessness of of Pickford's um, tackle and and the damage that was done. Um, yeah, uh, that no well. I say nobody's talked about it. That's unfair. Um, you know, it was an incident-packed Merseyside derby, but you know there was no no real uh, kerfuffle thrown up about Richarlison's red card. 
um, which I, again was an awful tackle. Um, yeah. And of course we had the, um, you know, we had the offside. Was it really offside? I don't know. Anyway, no, the, the, Mane, the Mane goal. Uh, sorry, the Henderson goal uh, yes. chalked off for for offside. I I come back to and, I, and I'll pose this question to you: Is it VAR or is it actually the application by the officials using VAR? You know, I think it's a combination of both, really. Um, but the fact that, okay, in my opinion, at this point, offsides has become, like, wh- what is offsides these days? Like, you know, it was very cut and dry. You knew exactly what it was. And now, it's, is it the armpit? Is it the foot? Like, where are they coming up with this? V- I, I don't get how... Henderson's goal was offsides. Like to me, it's just mind-boggling that that was even offsides. I would be more upset if it actually made us um, lose the game. Um, but it's just it's so frustrating um, that we ended up with the draw. Uh, we we should have won that game. Um, but like you said, um, Everton is playing amazingly, and it's always. Away at, at Goodison is a tough match. Fans or no fans. Um, and they have a much better coach now. But with with the fact that you've got this, this who, how, how the VAR is being watched or, or not watched, um, used, I think is wrong. Um, I think the concept of it could be good, but not the way they're using it. And, and how, how there's no repercussions for what he did but pink uh pickford did that was reckless and he came out and injured somebody and not even a card not even oh not not a problem that makes me so angry um and i feel like the 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 ref isn't even like how can you not see that so I don't know. It just this whole thing just makes me angry about how that went. But we just have to, like you said, we just have to move on. And I just don't think that VAR, in its current state, is worth having. Um, I hate it because it's not um, doing what what they're claiming we're supposed to have VAR for. You know, they're looking at yeah. things, but it's not being utilized right. It it could be a good thing for being utilized right, but it's not. Mm. And so I just. Yeah, you're you're losing the the, the spontaneity element um, because yeah. you know you go well. Do I celebrate this goal or don't I? Because I've yeah. got to wait for VAR to tell me that it's a, a legitimate goal or not. Which is, um, you know, it, just like, celebrate it anyway. Just celebrate it. I yeah. wish they would just celebrate it. You know what? I was a I was an advocate of VAR because I thought it would be something to aid referees. <gasps> Me too. Yeah, exactly. That, that, was, that was the view that I had, which was they would use it as a tool to be able to, um, you know, we would talk about clear and obvious errors, but, but to be able to, to right wrongs or, or to be able to, to give them help with something if they had a bad line of sight or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, 
appears to have turned into an arse covering exercise and that's that's the bit that, that is incredibly frustrating about it because they don't they don't appear to want to overrule each other other than now they're sending people to the monitor and if you go to the monitor the likelihood is you're thinking oh well i fucked it up then so i better go and have a look and see and and therefore, it, there's an almost inevitability that you assume if somebody's going to the monitor, something's going to happen. I probably have slightly less of an issue with that because last season they wouldn't send anybody to a monitor. But I, I don't know how they've decided to implement it in such a cack-handed way in England. I don't know. I, I, it, I mean, it, it, you could, you'd have to work really hard to do it this badly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't, I'm a, I'm a bit bemused by it all. So I, I've, I've sort of lost, you know, I've lost a lot of the, the support for it because of how poorly it's been implemented and used. And if Absolutely. I look around the other leagues around Europe who have been using it for longer than us, and they don't appear to have these issues. So I, I, so I then come back to, well, the, a proportion of this has got to be the quality of the officiating in the first place. Because VAR can't stop you having a bad referee, right? The, the VAR can look at stuff and, and you can potentially send that referee to the monitor, but that doesn't stop that referee making bad decisions. So but wasn't I, it an intention, excuse me, wasn't it an intention that you should share responsibility between more refs? So hopefully take away one bad ref, you know, share the responsibility. But but these guys in that truck, wherever, uh, in the uh, Everton match. Park, wherever they were, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't tell, they didn't say, oh, this is something you should have a look at. All they were doing, so I think that the, the rest, uh, result now is that the ref at the pitch leans on the VAR guys. The VAR guys forget what they're there for. So they were preoccupied with a line, not with, is this an actual, you know, isn't this a fault anyway? And if so you remember before VAR... Narrow, yeah, they're, they're very narrow in what they're looking at. Yeah, so they're not actually doing their job. I mean, there's lots of people sitting there. One of them could look at this line all the but time. Do, I don't mind. Do and the other guy could look at, is this a fault, you know? But you do a question, what are the assistant referees <clears> there for? Right, there was the assistant referee who was flagging that apparently Van Dyke was offside also must have seen the assault by Pickford. Exactly. So, uh, and, and uh, there's some sort of spurious argument that sort of says, well, you know, the ball, the, the, the play was dead, so therefore, you know, you, you couldn't give a fact. Well, that's bollocks as well. Absolutely. You know, Man United got given a penalty after they'd after blown the, the final match. whistle. Right, yeah. managers have been sent off at half time yeah. in the tunnel where the game the game is in theory dead. So, so that's an absolute <coughs> bullshit of yeah. a of an excuse. And we are honestly going to put this to bed. And the way we're going to put this to bed, right, is because it's done and dusted. You know, we got out of there. We lost. You know, we lost Thiago. We lost Van Dyke both to injury at the end of that it was a it you know it was a brutal game yeah however we got out of there with a point and the good news is that Everton lost today 
and oh, lost yeah, their lovely. own record. So yeah, really? that bow we're going to put around the box <laughs> and slide it on the bed with two Danny Ings assists for good oh, measure. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I love that guy. I, I, I would like him back. <laughs> yeah. So we're done. We're done with the derby. No, okay. not coming back now. Good. And so, they have to um, come to us now, so it's a whole other. We play much better at home. Um, and I. Yeah, I don't even know, know what it is. I'm presuming it's some time next year, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not looking that far for ahead. Game by game at the moment. Exactly. Um, so, so like I said, a lot of the last few weeks have been interesting for a variety of reasons. Um, and and Liverpool have been in the news. Uh, for a few things, one of which uh, was being co-authors of uh, Project Big Picture, which put the cat amongst the pigeons somewhere, <laughs> alongside That's, that, Man that United. That is one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, alongside Man United and, you know, Rick Parry, the EFL chairman, and, uh, the, you know, I don't, I don't know who else might have been in the background tinkering with this. Um, now there's a there's a lot to the a lot to the the proposals. Um, part of it was driven by the government um, in the UK uh, demanding that the the Premier League uh, do something in terms of bailing out clubs further down the pyramid. Um, part of it, uh, when I sort of read through the detail, I thought there's possibly some merit in some elements of it the bits that that well i'd be interested in your opinion i won't give my opinion yet i'd be interested in terms of uh how much you kind of took into it the bits that you thought might work and any bits that you were um you were concerned about let, let me start with you on that amy kate um so god it's such a at first, I, I thought, oh, wow, Liverpool, like, being all optimistic, Liverpool's the forefront. Great job, you know. What is this all about? They're, they want to help, you know, the leagues are taking initiative. And then I kind of dug into it a little bit more and had a discussion with um, a really good friend of mine um, who's an Arsenal fan and um, also had um, a conversation with um, former player Nick Tanner about it. And my opinion kind of changed a lot because I, you know, started looking into it more and seeing it. And I don't think it's a overall good thing. Um, first of all, um, you know, the, the, the big six being the big six, I, I can see why other teams are being, are going to reject, reject that idea. Um, why should six teams have the, the control? Um, and I also don't, think that this needs to be implemented now. The teams need help. They need money now. This is supposed to go in, I think, what, is it 22, 23 or 20, 20 something like that? It's it's down the road. So these teams need the money now. Um, and so I don't like that idea. Um, I think it will kill women's football. That just is not sitting well with me. You guys all know how I feel about women's football. Um, and one of the things that I was talking to Nick about, actually, even this morning, um, his idea of why instead of looking at um you know all these 
foreign players because they're cheaper, why aren't we looking at players in the lower leagues that have potential? Um, you know, that's where, you know, Robertson came from Hall City. He it was, you know, he wasn't in a prim I don't believe Hall was in Premier at that point. They, you know, kind of teetered in and out over the years, but we've got so much great talent to in, in our lower leagues that we could get, you know, at a better price and and keep the money within the lower leagues. And I think that that would be a really positive thing. Um, not to mm. say that we're not going to get other, you know, that you don't get stuff from outside, you know, England, but there's a lot of resources that we could trickle the money. And I apologize. I can't remember what team it was, but they signed um, a lower league player into another team. Um, but what they did was the agreement was to pay them over a five-year period. And this lower team knows that they're going to be okay because they've got this money steadily coming in for the next five years and having, you know, mm. not getting all lump sum all the time, you know, um, cause then you spend it and it's gone. And then what are we going to do next year? So I think having a mindset financially different would be helpful. Um, but there's so many negative things to this that, that I just, I don't like it. I, I think that there's mm -hmm. so much we need to do, but this is not, I'm glad it got rejected. And I, I, I just don't feel overall, um, I think there's a lot of, as you could say, poison pills in the thing, you know, in the, in the concept of this whole plan, there's a lot of, you know, hidden agendas and I don't like that. Or not so hidden, you might say. Well, true, but the lower teams, I, I could be wrong here, but I think some of the lower teams would be like, we just need the money and that's the, you know, that could be exploited. Oh yeah, you know, we'll give you all this, but you have just have to give this. You know, can can you imagine? Um, and I don't know how they got to this, the big six. I don't know if it's the big most money or whatever. But there's teams that have been there a lot longer. Yeah, it was than, it was basically it was it was a it's a sort of big nine. I think is is the concept, and it's based on longevity in the in the Premier League. Now, what what I don't know is whether that nine could ever change so Why? you know conceivably yeah. if if because at the moment i think west ham would be one of the nine based on the time they've been in the premier league but let's assume they got relegated uh does that mean that and i don't know who it is let's assume it's leicester i don't know yeah. would leicester then become one of the nine or do the nine become eight or does west mm. ham retain then they're voting even if they're not in the league. I, I, you know, there's there's things like that. I, I, you know, I don't really, I, I don't yeah, know, and I don't know how much detail that they went into on that sort of stuff. That's a good point. And the other, the other thing is, um, you know, there's teams. So there's only been six teams in the new form. Well, not new, but the current yeah. form since, since football was invented in 1992. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, you've got um teams that so it's, it's liverpool arsenal everton uh manchester united yeah. uh tottenham chelsea and because tottenham. Tot uh, tottenham was in there yeah tottenham, tottenham. and then but, man city are, are there by dint of you know their, their, their financial clout um <laughs> and 
I think, uh, like I said, I think West Ham is another, and I can't, re- I can't remember who, I, I can't remember Villa who the other one is. Um, be in there, even though they've got relegated a couple of years, yeah, back came back Liverpool, up, but their history has been there longer. Oh, than Southampton, Southampton, oh, Southampton. The top, What's what they're calling long-term shareholders, which would be Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Everton, Southampton, and West Ham would be afforded voting rights, enabling any six of them to pass and veto certain rules. That was that was part of the proposal. So, Randy, on there, there were a couple of other things, and, and feel free if you want to talk about that bit. Um, but there were a couple of other things. One of which was the reduction of the Premier League from 20 to 18 teams. Um, the other, one of the other proposals was that the EFL teams would get 25% of any future broadcasting deals. Albeit that, like I said, there's probably a sting in the tail of that as well. Um, but were, were there particular things that sort of jumped out at you that you, you thought were worth further exploring or you just thought this is this whole thing is madness? Well, I thought this is madness first and I actually quite still think it, I think, because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really baffled about the, um, the six and nine having votes that the others haven't. So what happened to democracy? Well, you can see all around the world is going down the drain anyway. But I don't I don't particularly like this idea about somebody being masters or, you know, champions of the league, so to say, without even having having played. Uh so look at the table now, for instance. I mean who are the biggest teams? Man United is at the fifteenth place or something? Uh, funny. Uh, no, I, I, yeah. I, I haven't and really got into this. You love to see it. <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> and Man City are 13th, I believe. I can we say that again? Can we, can we, can we just say that one more time? <laughs> Manchester. Uh, United, is the... <laughs> 15th. Man City, 13th. Yay. Fantastic. No, I, I just don't understand this. And, and also, because after this talk about this deal, whatever it was called, it, they were talking about the, it's also been for years, a talk about the European Super League, hasn't it? Uh, and this is, again, it's another way of inventing football uh, or continuously improving football, which I think we should. I think we should say we've been doing this for like 200 years now. What do we want to make better? But I don't think these yeah. suggestions comes into making the the game better. Because if you look at the European Super League, they would probably play their games in Dubai and China and stuff like that. Because that's all about um, bringing football to work where the money is, I think. Champions League mm-hmm. works perfectly well for me. And it looks like... It, it works for the players and everyone else, and they travel around Europe. Again, it is traveling, but it's, it's to where they belong and where their fans are. So what we're doing now is, first of all, we haven't got any fans in the stadium in England. And second of all, we, we're looking into, so how can we exploit the fans that don't get football? And then we look into how can we make the powerful more powerful? I mean, 
I don't think we need all this. Uh, I really think we need to help the EFL and we need to help mm-hmm. the women's football. But this is not the way of doing it. You know, empowering others more is not the way of helping others out. To me, at least. Yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I completely understand what you're saying. I think, I think for me, the, uh, you'd be unsurprised to know that the thought of concentrating more power in fewer hands did, did not sit well with me. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that you know, spending time coming up with a proposal uh, in terms of looking at restructuring football that, you know, Liverpool and Man United are not going to try and look after their own interests in terms right. of the proposal. Um, and I wonder if it's somewhat of a, uh, when I say a Trojan horse, I, I don't, I, I don't well, necessarily need it. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but the fact is you... People know that there are some fundamental issues that need to be resolved. And and the one thing I suppose I've got a limited level of sympathy with is, right, there is nothing coming out from the Premier League. There is nothing coming out from the FA. There's nothing coming out from the English Football League. And there's nothing coming out from the government Mm. in terms of the structure of football for the future or proposals or plans. I don't think it should be coming from the clubs. I think the clubs should have input into it, but I also think um, fan forums should have input into it. I think, you know, clubs down the lower league should have it. I think the governing body should have it. Women's football should have a a say into it. Um, And and the broadcasters, because uh, as much as we don't like it, you know, they are one of the major sources. So we need to come up with something that works across a number of different levels and and ultimately what you're going to come up with isn't going to make everybody happy so i do i do wonder if this was just trying to blow you know blow the bloody doors off and actually Mm -hmm. get people to start having a conversation about this stuff because for me one of the things that i think should absolutely be done is that the premier league should go down to 18 teams that was originally always how it was planned and they bottled out of it and you're not going to get turkeys voting for christmas but actually it would bring us in line with all of the major uh leagues in europe it would remove you know that that number of fixtures it probably enables more uh properly sanctioned uh winter breaks Mm. and i just think it, it it it's got some player welfare at the at the centre of it. Um, your point around uh, the the European Super League, I actually think that potentially dies a death because it becomes if if you literally have you know Liverpool, Man United, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Inter Milan, you know AC Milan. Um, you know, PSG and, you know, Marseille or Lyon or whoever it is, you know, and a couple of others, and they spend all of their time playing each other. And mm. there's no, you know, there's no promotion, there's no relegation or anything because, you know, you're all in the European Super League. I can't see that that has any long term viability. People get really bored yeah. really quick. The bit that we need to think about is, 
that the current format of the Champions League, I think, finishes in 23-24. And so, uh, again, I, I, I'm sort of on the page of some of this stuff. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But they are going to tinker with the Champions League, which sadly will be driven by money and trying to get more people in and one thing and another. But that is the premier club competition across the world. Mm. And the, the danger is that uh, Gianni Infantino, who's the uh, president of FIFA, doesn't like that and wants to find a way to make his World Club Cup the World Club Champions League. And yeah. that's, that's worrying for me. Uh, so, so I don't know, you know, what what happens with that but mm. the pro the the conversation has to start i i don't think our clubs uh so i don't think liverpool and, and man united have necessarily done themselves any favors coming out as the co-authors of this no. but there are some you know that there, there are some ideas that have got merit in there for for further exploration um in in my view i i have a thought being the american here Yep. Um, and this is not putting America in a good light. Um, I, I'm not a fan of American football at all. That's four hours of my life. I'll never get back. And I just think that the owners have way too much control and you move teams around and it's all about the money and money and money and money. Um, but that's the American business model. You've mm -hmm. got, and, and I, I'm a big fan of FFG, FSG. They've done a really good job. They've made mistakes. Don't get me wrong. You know, the ticket thing, the, the, you know, trying to, um, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, trademark Liverpool, the word Liverpool, all these, yeah. these, stu these stupid little things that they've done, but they got shot down and, and the fans, you know, did their thing and they, okay, we hear you, you know, they're not perfect, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, you know, they get the club because, because uh, Red Sox is also an old club that, that the fans are very, dedicated to and are important to so so with that being said i'm not trying to bash them i i am a big fan of them but it is american business and united's owned by i might say this wrong is it glaziers or glazers something like that another american club an, another Amer american owner and i'm wondering if possibly the idea is to turn english football into more of a american business model and that i don't think is going to settle well and I think mm. that's what maybe the is driving those two, but mm -hmm. that that could be I could be wrong because Arsenal's also um, majority owner American, and they turned it down. And I that was pointed out to me by my Arsenal friend when we had this whole conversation because we talk about this kind of stuff. So maybe my theory's wrong here, but but there's there's a a point that you know. Um, I think they're trying to change the business model and, you know, do it more. And, money you, and you might be right. You know, you, you might be right. I don't know. You know the, the, the thing about the American, uh, the American sports model. So whether you talk about the NFL, whether you talk about the NBA, whether you talk about the NHL, whether you talk right. about Major League Baseball, there is no promotional relegation, right? There's no, no. jeopardy in that. No. It's, a, it's broadly a closed shop unless they decide to create a new franchise. Hmm. And, you know, you can move teams to an extent at the drop of a hat. 
you know, or another city can come in and it, uh, uh, sort of take the latest example in the NFL. And and I am a fan of the NFL. I do like it, but um, I, do, I, I don't like the idea of just upping sticks and moving a team when right. you've got a loyal fan base. And, and the latest, you know, iteration of that is the, the Raiders. So, you know, yeah. the Oakland Raiders, the LA Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so I, I don't I don't agree with that. You know, as a as a televisual spectacle, I think the NFL is great, and I you know I've gone to a number of games. But in terms of football, um, that part of the attraction is that there is there is something right. You know, it's not just about getting to the playoffs or getting to the World Series or whatever it is. It's actually there's a jeopardy. Your, you know, your existence is on the line as being yeah. able to play at that level, you know, that division, that level of football. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that, that makes it interesting. I mean, you know, there's been, there's been conversations, aren't there, Brandy, at various points around, could you introduce a salary cap and all of this stuff around it would be restraint of trade and we'd all be taken to the European Court of Human Rights and, and various other things because that's another thing that's in US sport that is not it's in English sport in rugby but it's not it's not in football um in the Premier League but they have looked at uh, introducing salary caps I think in League One and League Two I'm not sure about the Championship so it there are elements that you think will act there is maybe some sense in that, particularly about stopping people spending beyond their means. Yeah. But if you put salary cap in, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how, you know, our, our team, for example, um, and Man City would do. Um, and I think Man City and maybe Man United more because they've got that loaded debt on there. Um, against somebody like, I don't know, Southampton or uh, Burnley, for example, where actually you're competing on a on more of a level playing field because you can't go out and spend 65 million on a player because everybody and I'm making this up. Everybody's got a 50 million salary cap every year right. or whatever it might be. So uh, you know that this is probably you know la la land and all, all of the rest of it. But I do think it's it's something that might be um, might be worth considering. But Randy, I don't know if you saw uh, there's been some articles around um, Brexit and what the impact of that will be on players. Because clearly, on the first of January, uh, they lose freedom of movement um, across the other 27 European which clearly impacts football players. So if you were in a non-EU country, you would have to apply for a work permit. And it depends on the number of uh, like international caps and, and appearance you made for your, your national federation and to, and to an extent sort of how high up the, the pyramid they were, whereas that's likely to be the rule that's applied for everybody. Going forward, so this is assuming you know no deal whatever anyway. Lots of freedom to move. So, um, 
to, and I guess, Randy, I'm sort of I'm juxtaposing this against Amy's earlier point when she said she was talking to Nick around, uh, you know, is there talent in the lower leagues? But again, part of the attraction of the product of the Premier League, not only is the competitive, but you see the best players from around the world. So how do you marry those two bits together? Now, that's very interesting. Uh, I haven't read a lot of articles on Brexit impact uh, on PL, I must admit. But my own thoughts on this is I think England, Britain should use their homegrowns more anyway. So maybe that's not a bad thing because there is a lot of talent. And we've seen that lately, the last two or three years, the young English talent goes abroad because they're not let to play in England. So maybe they should just stay then, and if that becomes more attractive to them, because it's no way they're going to come out anyway. But, uh, of course, you lose some of that. All the best plays are drawn towards Premier League, and it's going to be an impact. And in one way, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, trouble is then all the talent from South America, you know, are going to go to, I mean, most of them go to um, Portugal anyway from Brazil first, and then they stop there, or they go to Shakhtar Donetsk or wherever, and then they are distributed all over to the bigger leagues. But I think we're probably going to see a different uh, Champions League going forward then. More British people in England and more uh, world in Europe, but so in one way it's not a bad thing, in another way it's going to change the game. So um, Brexit is a whole other thing. We could have a couple of uh, podcasts yeah, on that, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we, we, need, we need to do that with alcohol. Good, good with, luck with, with it, that, I'll just <laughs> say. Good luck with it I can't, I can't do that <laughs> on a podcast. No, we have to get no, drunk no, then. No, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So, so I do think that, that you know that, that, that I suppose the point I'm making is that it may make some quite fundamental changes that, that people didn't even ever consider as part of Brexit. Probably never occurred to them. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And maybe you know maybe it'll be less of an impact because if it's a good enough player and you apply for work permit and you get turned down, you can appeal and probably win the appeal. But I do think it's it's going to change the landscape somehow. So yeah. Um we've got a good chit chat here. So last last couple of things before we wrap this up. Um so our, our next games we talked briefly about uh Randy if you do the pronunciation please our next Champions League game against Mid Thank you. Um, and then we have the high flying hammers coming to Anfield. Um, and then we go to Atalanta for, for our next Champions League game. So, so an interesting little, uh, triumvirate of, of games. And I know, um, over the last couple of seasons, we've been saying, oh, you know, how many points do you think we'll get out of these three games? And every time we've gone nine, nine, twelve, fifteen, <laughs> what have you. Uh, you know, we've had we've had a few little setbacks over the last few weeks. So, so those next three games, uh, two Champions League and the game against West Ham. Uh, Randy, let's start with you. How many points will we have at the end of that? 
Let's count three Midtjylland, one West Ham, and one Atalanta. So that is five. You're going for five. Uh, so, Amy Kate, against those three teams, how many points do you think we'll come up with at the end of it? So, I'm a, I'm a little surprised. Would love to know why uh, Randy thinks we're only going to get a point um, in our in our Premier League game because I was going to give us three for that for sure. Um, <laughs> Good. And 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 um, you know the ever optimist here. Um, <laughs> And I, I think that we're going to get three points from um, the team I can't pronounce. <laughs> it's all right, right? Six... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mikula. Yes, that that would be the one. And <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna go the same as Randy as a draw. So um, I was gonna give a seven. Okay. That's. Oh, I think that I think that is um, I think that is positive. I um, I think uh, so. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm a, I, I, I'm sort of jumping here and there. I'm a terrible teacher, right? So I worry that if I go really positive, it means everything will go to shit. So. I, <laughs> so I'm not going to do a prediction. <laughs> you two have given me your your views. I am, you know, I am optimistic as well. I think the game against Atalanta will be high scoring, and I hope we will be on the positive end of the of the high scoring. Um, West Ham has had a good run, but they can they can be got at. Um, so I would hope we would get something decent out of that game. Yes, I do. Even with their set piece prowess, I do expect us to to get a result against Michigan. But I'm not I'm not giving a a, a points estimation um, at all. <laughs> um, so thank you, thank you for that. Uh, right, last, <laughs> last any other business? Uh, anything? you want to uh, plug, highlight, or talk about very quickly before we wrap this up? Um, Amy Kate. Um, no, I don't really have anything to plug. I just really, um, I mean, I'm glad football's back. We're getting kind of in our groove. Um, I would like to plug the support of the food banks instead of supporting um, Sky paying $14.95, even though it has no effect me personally, I think it's horrible that they're doing this. And um, so support charities instead of, you know, the rich guy. Thank you. Um, yeah, I yeah. was going to be, so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap that round. Randy, what about you? Uh, I would like to say, completely agree with you, the pay-per-view is really stupid. And then I'd love to see Elliot doing very good in his new team. I mean, two games and he's got two assists and a goal. So that's really nice to see. And then it was lovely to see Brewster on the pitch against us in an actual, you know, strip. He's in a team. I love to see it. And I'm really, really happy he didn't score against us. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to seeing Riz Williams and Billy the Kid being thrown into the 
uh, defense. Uh, hopefully later than sooner, but it's going to happen. Knowing uh, Klopp is around. Yes. Well, the good the good news in inverted commas is obviously we're out of the League Cup, so we don't have to worry about another competition until the FA Cup third round starts in January. Yeah, oh, good. Well, that's that's good. Um, that's a, you know, that's a bonus. Um, so from from me, just just the last little thing, just to build on Amy Kate, um, I I did my bit in terms of uh making a donation rather than a pay per view last night for the Liverpool Sheffield United game. It's obviously a personal choice, um, but I do think it's not unreasonable to expect fans to pay that um, on a per game basis particularly uh, with the way that people are struggling at the moment yeah. um, the the brilliant news is so the the I donated to the one in in Liverpool um, or serve in the sort of Liverpool area and they had a target I think of ten thousand pounds. And that got smashed by 10. So the last yeah. saw, it was about £103,000 had been raised wow. by people donating rather than uh, opting for pay-per-view. So I think it is, and look, I, I, I need to need to declare that, you know, I am an employee of, of BT. So I want BT Sport to be successful, but I, and I and I understand that they don't really make anything out of this in terms of the production. So I understand that their business model isn't necessarily stacking up, but I just think they've not read the room. And if you're going to do it, I think people would probably pay if it was a fiver or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or you know, nine ninety nine even. Um, I mean, fundamentally, particularly if you if you somewhere where you've already bought a season ticket and you haven't got a refund, I think it's outrageous to expect people to pay for it on a, on a game by basis. Well, so he, I don't agree with it. But if you if you're going to do it, then I think you have to think about the affordability of who you're pitching it to. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question on that because because obviously obviously it's a little different in every country. Um, but you guys have to pay a, a TV license. Which we don't, we but we have cable, and if we want cable, we have to pay the the, the cable fees. Yeah. Um, you guys have like you have to pay a whatever that is for for Sky Sports. So if the game is on Sky Sports and you're paying the bill to have Sky Sports, yes. um, just using that as an example, why you you're already paying Sky Sports? Why are you paying an additional? Very good fee? question, okay. Which is which so, is why there's such a reaction to it, right? Because yeah, people. I, so I don't, I don't have Sky Sports. I, I've always refused to have Sky Sports because it's a Murdoch-owned operation. Mm-hmm. But if you take the full package of Sky Sports, it's about £120 a month. That's Add on to that your, your licence fee, which is, I think, £120 a year. Um, if, you take, if you take BT Sport, that's a separate subscription. If you, Amazon, obviously, in the UK, um, mm-hmm. have started taking up some of the sporting bundles, so potentially you have to pay for Amazon Prime as well if mm-hmm. you want to see your team play on that streaming service, and so it goes on. So you could conceivably be paying 
you know, upwards of, you know, 200, 200 pounds a month. That's to, ridiculous. To try and watch your team play um, on the various broadcast fields. Yeah, and that's just, I get that each, each broadcast wants, you know, they're spreading the love, if you like, um, on where it's being watched. Get that. But that what they're thinking about is, you know, or at least the way I, I'm viewing it is the broadcast companies, um, you know, Sky, BT, Amazon, you know, NBC, whatever they are, um, are thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about the whole picture and the consumer because they're thinking, well, you're only, at least in America, so we've changed it, like I had mentioned earlier, to Peacock, because NBC is a Peacock, so that's their new streaming. Now, my understanding is it's, I think, $5.99 or $4.99 a month to um, have this. And, um, you know, that's not, people don't want, they're tired of having all these streaming things, but you're thinking, okay, an extra five bucks a month, you know, an extra $60 a year, opposed to, you know, you want to watch one game and it's 15 pounds. So, yeah. so you're looking at like, say, $18. $18 roughly, roughly. Which if you had a ticket in your hand and you were walking into the ground and you were, you know, seeing your friends and having that, that sort of experience, that, that would be something different. But the fact yeah. is that you're, you're stuck at home. You can't really go anywhere. Um, and then they're, they're trying to take advantage of a captive audience and, and sort of prey on your, you know, your love or your obsession for your team. And I, I, I just, I, it's just a step too far for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so no tape of you for us then. No. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, ladies, it is in room. Brilliant having the chat with you. I, I know we've, we've uh, you know, we try and make these about an hour. I think we've gone a little bit longer than we would uh, normally, but it has been great fun uh, discussing all subjects. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for joining me this uh, dark slash sunny slash frosty sunny <laughs> day, wherever we may be. Um, and I look forward to talking you again soon thank you everybody for listening and take care out there life goes on day after day hearts torn in every way So fairy, cross the mercy, cause this land's the place I love, and here I'll stay. Sports Social Podcast Network.